0: Can you hear me? Oh, perfect. All right. What's up, guys? So uh, if you're expecting to hear a good speaker, well, you're out of luck because I am not. And actually, public speaking scares me to death. Um, It did uh, until I gave my testimony once and then realized it's really not my story. So Pastor Mike asked me if I would give it uh, Wednesday at church and I told him, yeah, of course, because that's it's no longer my story, so now I have to. Um, if anyone ever wants to hear it, I'm going to give it to them. So, uh, with that being said, like I said, I'm Caleb Owens. I'm from Farmington. Um, this is my beautiful wife Stephanie? We have three beautiful children uh, that are not here because they're they're weird about change. Uh, so we got them at Parkland Chapel with their grandma, uh, which is probably good. Um, so, like I said. Pastor Mike asked me if I'd give my testimony last Wednesday, and he said, well, when do you want to do it? I said, well, Sunday, and he said, okay, well, you know, we'll try to make it work, uh, come to find out he's sick, so it's funny how God's timing always seems to work out just the way it's supposed to be anyway, so um, like I said, I'm not a good speaker, but I'm going to give it my best, probably be out of here a little early, hopefully, so uh, let's see, you know, thank God that he equips the call, because um, like I said, I really can't do this without God's help, so uh, as Hebrews 13:21 says, um, which I'll flip around and say a little bit here and there. But truthfully, in uh, Hebrews 13:21, talks about uh, to make your com- to make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that is so true. So through my story, I'm going to say a lot of this, you know, me, my, and I. But truly, just let's try to keep in mind this is God's story through me. And uh, by the grace of God, here I am. So we'll get going. Um, So when I was born, I was born in the Trouse is what we called it. It was half home, half trailer together in Tecumseh, Missouri. probably never heard of it. Real small town uh, in Ozark County. Um... You know, I was born at home, the youngest of four, my dad, birthed, you know, my mom birthed me, my dad delivered me, and I had an umbilical cord wrapped around my neck, and it was like my first breaths in this world were a struggle, and um, kind of set the tone for the way the life would be, you know, and you know, we were poor, but man, we were loved, you know, we had my mother, my uh, siblings, I was the youngest of four, like I said, I had two sisters, Rachel and Megan, and my brother Jared, and through Christ, we had this this great family and this great relationship, because my mother was a saint. You know, she always had us in church, and and being so poor, we were fortunate enough to get so many blessings from the church. And from a young age, you know, I understood that, you know, not that we all have it together, but you know, through the body of Christ, we can lean on each other and 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 encourage one another. And we were fortunate enough to be a part of such a wonderful church. Um, things all kind of changed uh, in 1994. My mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. And she was died months later. What makes it hard is not only was she our rock and our only connection to God, um, when she first got diagnosed, she went away. And I was six years old, so I didn't know much. Uh, she went away for a long time. She went to Columbia to go through chemo. And to me, I thought she had died. I didn't know because she was just gone. She was gone for three months. Um, it's kind of a sick joke because when she came home, she looked totally different. She's bloated, bald. Um, But my prayers were answered because my mom was back alive. It seemed like, you know, so she came in, only to die two weeks later. And, but, to from what everyone tells me, because I don't remember much, but she died with a smile on her face, and that's kind of a testament to God's love and mercy. So, but my life forever changed because I was left with my. We were all left with my father, who was an American outlaw-style guy. You know, a biker, drug addict, meth runner. You know, a woman beater an alcoholic, things of that sort. So, but he didn't waste any time. He ended up finding a new wife, uh, married a woman in a couple months uh, in secret, a woman we barely knew. Uh, I don't want to bash on her too much because she got put in a tough spot and they were so heavily involved in sin. But um, the first thing she ever said to me was she hated blue hair, or blue-eyed, blonde-haired boys because they thought they were just so cute. And uh, the truth is, she was the worst kind of woman, a perfect match for my father. So our life began... To, you know, I could really go into details and tell you all about you know ra- being raised in a meth-infested home with people in and out and all that, all that comes with that. But really, for time's sake, and you know, it's really not that important. But truthfully, my life was kind of, kind of a messed up deal. Um, so really, what happens by the grace of God, uh, we get taken into foster care. Um, I was 11 years old, so I only had to endure that life for a little bit. So, But the best thing that ever happened to us was the state to step in and take us in. Um, granted, it uh, was hard because we kind of got separated a little bit, but we, still we went didn't have to deal with the struggles of just, you know, our atmosphere. Um, you know, uh, I'll tell you what. So what, something happened um, in April 23rd of 2000. Um, Summer night, I was at my foster parents, my foster grandparents, I guess you'd call it. I was at their house way down in, uh, way outside Ozark County, and we were playing, me and all my foster brothers running around playing flashlight tag, and, you know, it was probably 8 o'clock at night or something. I remember it was hot and sweat. I can remember just like it was yesterday. And as we're playing, I hear somebody calling my name, Caleb, 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 where are you? Get up here. So I run back to the house and it's my foster grandpa. And he's like, hey, get in the car. We're leaving. What's going on? I'll just get in the car. We're leaving. So I get in the car. Uh, I realize, man, a guy that goes, he was an old pastor at a little small Baptist church. A guy that goes five mile an hour under the speed limit, everywhere he goes is speeding. He's going like 70 into 55. And I'm thinking, man, what's going on? I had no idea. Well, eventually we get back into West Plains, which is where Uh, the rest of my family, you know, the rest of my siblings were, and instantly I thought, man, my brother. My brother was the oldest. He was the one that got the most abuse, the most, he was uh, subjected to all the horrors of, you know, I was the youngest, so I I don't remember much of it, but he was um, severely impacted by the way our life was, right? And he, you know, turned to drugs, so instantly I thought, man, he's dead, you know, something happened to Jared, something's wrong. Well, as we passed the hospital, I remember looking over and seeing an ambulance parked there, and I thought, yep, it's Jared. Uh, but we passed the hospital, and we kept going. And then, little did I, I started to realize, man, we're going to my sister's foster parent's house. And we pull up, I remember, just like it was yesterday, there was a whole row of cars and people standing all out in the yard, and I thought, man, what happened? So I jumped out. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm an emotional guy, so <laughs> I hope I don't cry too much. But... I jump out, and the first people I see is my sister, Megan, and my brother, Jared, and I thought, man, where's Rachel? So my, uh, <laughs> I knew, I said I wasn't going to cry, but my sister, she she and I, we were a year apart, and we were closer than anyone, and her and one of our real good friends got hit by a truck while they were walking down the road, and we're taking forever. Um, you know. Whatever little faith I had at that point was out the window. I mean, I, if anything, I blamed God for all the mistreatment and all these things, you know. If, if there was a God, why would He do this? You know, why would He take her? Why would He do this to me? Why would He, you know, so literally I just turned on Him, right? I went completely into my own selfish sin. Like, I became um, sexually active at a young age. I became addicted to different anything I could get to get high whether it be inhalants or pot pills whatever I could get a hold of and I was trying to fill this hole that I felt I had in my soul that man this death has taken all these things from me and all I can think about is myself and how sorry I felt you know and how upset I was and had it not been for my siblings you know I probably would have killed myself because I thought about it I tried but I knew that I was mostly cowardice because I didn't have the (laughs) ability to do it obviously and I by God's grace, was able to see through all the anger and hatred and all the things that were coming through and realizing if I did that to myself, what would I be doing to my my family, you know, my siblings that are left? How could they handle that? So, uh, but uh, as it always seems to work out, uh, I was given an opportunity unlike anything else that truly changed the course of my life. Um, At this time in seventh grade, I started, you know, uh, athletics, you know, uh, organized sports, um, and having been this size since middle school, which is kind of a sick joke, too, because I thought I was going to be probably at least 6'6", six, six, you know, by the time I grew up, but I've never grown an inch since uh, I was 13. So, but anyway, so I worked real hard, and I thought, man, you know, I'm gonna, I really like the sports, you know, I was playing football, and I found some kind of identity and purpose, and um, for the first time in my life, I had a positive outlet for all this anger and hatred I had, you know, towards the world, um, so, by God's grace, you know, he gave me not only the opportunity, but the ability to uh, compete in sports, and I, I loved it. So, you know, he, it was definitely a gift from God. I didn't know it then, but it was. Um, uh, ultimately, so after eighth grade, my grandma, D.O., <coughs> and she took me in and moved me to Farmington, and uh, she started to give me a life I never thought I deserved. Um, Everything was wonderful. I began to make lifelong friends in Farmington. Uh, I knew it would be my forever home. And secretly, my things changed, but I was the same, right? So I stayed the same. I didn't, you know, respond well. So again, I stayed in my sin. I was angry at the world, so I fought all the time. Any chance I get, somebody look at me funny, we're fighting. You know, and I thought, man, yeah, this is it. I found an identity in it, right? I became so obsessed with being the biggest, toughest guy that, I would fight people just for anything i could and 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 you know it it was a thrill you know it was exciting. I thought it was I was doing something good. know yeah, I would even fight for righteous reasons. you know, I was always bigger than everyone, so if anyone picked on somebody i 'd beat the bully up right so instantly bullying stopped but and i didn 't have that many people to beat on, so the, anyway i 'm gonna get out of that i 'm getting carried away. but the truth was, I really enjoyed um deliberately taking my sin and, you know, punishing others, or however righteous I tried to make it, I don't know, but um, with all that being said, I continued in my sin, Um, I gained all this distrust for the world, you know, I started hating others, and there was just literally not any good in me. Now, but on the outside, I looked real good, right? I I hid everything real well, I was one of the most popular kids in school, I was a three-sport athlete, I had all these things going for me. My grandma was taking care of me unlike, you know, like I've never been taken care of. But, but truly, on the inside, I was just dying, man. I was dying. And um, so through all of that, though, God continued to bless me. I see it now, but then I didn't know. But God continued to bless me. I met my wife when we were 16. And we've been married 12, 13 years now. I, can't, I knew I was going to mess it up. I probably should have wrote that down. I wrote down a lot of stuff. That might have been the most important thing I should have put down there. But we've been together for a long time. And um, what a true gift from God because I've done all I can to push her away over the years. And, you know, she's here. So that's, that's pretty neat. Um, and then I, uh, not knowing what to do, I didn't want to go to college. I decided I'm going to enlist in the Marine Corps Infantry. And I want to go and beat up America's bad guys. What more righteous, you know, thing is there than that in my my eyes, you know? And it's just so silly. So anyway, I ended up joining the military. And I came home uh, after boot camp and married my high school sweetheart. And we took off. We went to the state of Georgia and lived there. I was a security force Marine guarding nuclear weapons I'm not supposed to talk about. So don't tell anybody. But anyway... um, So we started there, and we took on the world. Uh, Two little kids, not knowing what was going on, trying to party every chance we could, finding people to buy us booze, you know, whatever. It was not really the best life, but it's cool to look back now. Anyway, um, so as we're there, uh, my dad ends up calling me. calls me out of the blue. He said, hey, man, they released me from prison, uh, because he was always in and out of prison. Um, He said, man, I'm released from prison. I'm terminally ill, and they gave me about two months to live. I got off the phone, I didn't know what to think. I sat there numb, you know, at this point. I didn't care for him much anyway. So but it was just another bump in the road that, you know, set me on a course of feeling numb. So it's kind of how it all worked out. So he ended up uh he ended up dying and it just almost seemed like it I had all these excuses now that I could from my past that I could use to mistreat others and get away with it, honestly. So, I could, how do I explain it? Um, using all the things that I had been through, I was able to manipulate others. I was able to um, selfishly treat others horribly, and they would almost be like, oh, it's okay. Think about all he's been through, you know. Oh, it'll be fine. So, and that just kind of speaks to the person I was at the time. Well, um, if we fast forward to 2009 Halloween night, Uh, I'm with 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marine, Warlords, and we get stationed in Southern Helmand Province. Um, We land at our combat outpost, uh, combat outpost sharp, and we begin our operations. While I'm there, uh, getting used to the mission, my wife's home with our newborn baby son, Chase. He's our oldest now, um, and going through all that by herself. And I'm far, far away, and there's nothing I can do. And, you know, when I was home, I wasn't a very good person. I wasn't very good. I definitely wasn't a good husband. I didn't know how to be a father. I wasn't anything worth anything. But, you know, it kind of ate at me that I was here, you know, leading Marines on patrols in the most hostile territory in the world. And and I felt so helpless because there was nothing I could do for her. Um, But Anyway, so only war story really worth telling is the time I fleeced the Lord. Uh, It was kind of like a foxhole prayer. Um, We... Two days before we leave to go to start our transition home and do our decompression time and all that. Two days before we leave. We're all packed up. The unit is that relieves us. They're patrolling. They're doing everything. Um, well, they end up pushing further south than we've ever been, wanting to get at the bad guy. They were all hard-charging motivators. And they end up getting pinned down. A lieutenant gets shot. A squad leader gets shot. So they call for a reactionary force. And the last thing I'm wanting to do after a seven-month deployment is go, go get in another firefight. But at the point i kind of felt like you know this is it right i mean this is it i'm probably not going to survive it they said hey is your squad ready to go what do i say? of course yeah <laughs> of course we are so we load up we move by night it takes about six hours to get down to them we get to them about three o'clock in the morning present a plan that we're going to get a, all the Marines going to get online there's about 300 of us get online and we're going to push south and you know get a little retaliation um get online at daybreak we start moving boom about five minutes into we get shot at uh, unlike a typical firefight, it was from more than one position, so it, it instantly didn't feel right, and it didn't feel like anything that we had already been through. Um, and at that time, it's the first time I can remember since my mu- since my sister died that I turned to God and I said, "God, I know I haven't been what you want me to be. Give me through this. Give me through it, and I'll give you my life. I'll give you my life today." We end up getting through it, and no, ca- zero casualties, and we uh, continue on a 10, like 10 hour long patrol, pushing south, clearing IEDs, nobody gets injured, there's no casualties. What a great day, We took a lot of pride in it, we were all excited, but instantly I forgot my promise with God, uh, so there I was again, back in my sin, um, which is just the way, I, the way I was, I guess. Now, the transition home from Afghanistan was different. Um, I know for a lot of people it's really hard, but I think with my past, it kind of helped me. Uh, it wasn't as bad, but man, the transition out of the Marine Corps to civilian life nearly broke us. It nearly broke me, and I don't know why. And I struggle with it some, but it may be that better men died in my place, or you know, sometimes I just felt so unworthy to be here, and them not. And it used to eat at me. It used to eat at me a lot, and I turned back to what I always did—drinking finding drugs, you know, doing whatever I could to fill this hole in me that was even bigger now than ever. And um, I just had a hard time understanding it all and transitioning. And I was just the worst husband, the worst kind of person. On the outside, I looked great. But truthfully, I was just just a mess. Um, A couple months after I get home, we're living with my cousin and... She took us in so we could find a place to buy because we wanted to buy a place. We were staying with her, and a couple months home, um, her mom, my Aunt Christy, one of the strongest women I know, she has chest pains at work, so she ends up going to the doctor. She dies about three hours later. She uh, had a blood clot in her lungs and ended up killing her. Um, And again, I'm pretty numb. I mean, it hurt, but I'm still numb, and then I don't know how to. All I want to do is comfort my cousin and the family, and I can't because I'm just so numb. You know, I'm just so not there. So I might say something, but it always came off wrong, and uh, I just wasn't any good to him. But, you know, a couple years later, my Grandma Dee, who took me in, uh, she had been fighting cancer off and on for a long time, and she was a tough woman, but she ended up dying in November of 2013, and, you know, that one hurt. Uh, Again, I didn't know how to respond to it, so I just kept it all in, but it hurt a lot. And three days after that, her sister, my great aunt Debbie, a woman that was like my mother, all these women were as close to a mom as I could get. Um, three days later, she lost her fight with cancer and died also. Again, just gave me more excuses to hate the world, right? More excuses to be angry, uh, more reasons to, you know, to blame God. Um, after that, uh, like I said, my brother, he had been. Dealing with uh, drug abuse, drug addiction, um, to the point, to the severity of where eventually he was homeless. He lost everything he had. He was shoving any kind of needle he get into his arm. Um, and he was living a life of sin that his life produced in him. And uh, I offered him, I said, man, hey, come, I don't have it all together, but hey, come on, move in with me. We'll put you in the basement. We'll, we'll get you clean. And he said, man, this is going to kill me this heroin, this meth, all of it together. He's like, it's just going to kill me. He's like, I'd rather give my life to that. Well, so I gave up on him <laughs> pretty pretty easily. Like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do for you. Um, so off he went. And, you know, I didn't hear from him every now and then. He would call, trying to get money, this and that, but it was always just the same. Well, one of the best things that happened was I got a call that he got arrested, and he got picked up on all his warrants, and he went to jail. And, I knew I was either going to get that call or that he was dead, so I'm glad it was that one. Um, after that, so that's just, just a little part in it. But uh, in 2016, I meet Todd McKinney. He was my high school football coach. Um, I met him. At a car wash, and I never wash my cars, but I was washing my car, or vacuuming it out. And I looked over, I see Todd, he's over there vacuuming his car. So I go over to talk to him. I instantly noticed man, this guy's happy, way happier than he was when he was my high school coach. You know, he was happy. We were sitting there talking, carrying on. I thought, man, that's that's pretty neat. And we were talking baseball, this and that, and no big deal. Ended up going our separate ways. Well, my son plays baseball, and he's uh, he's really into it and all, and we've met a lot of great people through, uh, again, through sports. God, I think, has used it mightily in my life, but we've met people um, that have become lifelong friends, and we've met great examples of what Christ is, you know, the example of Christ living through somebody, and um, through that, the Williams family, Amy and Chris Williams, they actually were best friends with Todd and they invited us all over my whole family for a dinner and we went over to their house we're hanging out I'm just like man these people there's something about them everybody's happy everybody's having a good time and I start looking around I'm like man where's the beer at nobody's got a beer in their hand and everybody's just having a great time I thought man this is this is something like I've never seen before and I instantly was pulled to it and I thought man I got to get whatever that is right so come to find out it it was it was Christ so um uh, before I ever started going to church, right after that, Todd, he talks to me, he says, hey man, would you like to coach a baseball team, I'm starting this organization, we're looking for high character, Christian males, you know, we're looking for good people to lead teams, and would you like to coach an 8U team? And I sit there and I thought to myself, well, I'm not neither of those, I'm not good, I'm not Christian, so what do I do? Yeah, of course, of course I will. So, I told him I would, and uh, I told him, I was fine, man, we will. And then, they purchase a book for all the coaches in the organization, which I pr- probably need to get going here. And it's called this, "It's Inside Out Coaching. And it's how sports can transform lives. And on the front, it was it had a stamp, and it was bought by Parkland Chapel. They bought every coach a book. And I read the book, and, man, it inspired me so much. I thought, man, I, I guess I'm going to have to try church out. So I ended up talking to Todd. He wanted me to come then. I couldn't go then. Things always happen. Timing never worked out. And then eventually I walk in, um, what was it, 2017 on new year's day and i get to sit down and i get to listen to the state of the church address and i get to hear you know how god has worked through this body of christ and how they've grown and and how the calvary chapel movement and understand that you know they came from these hippies and it was it was confused as a cult it was all the, this backstory of just amazing which you guys have probably all heard um and then you know so i kept going just going not really getting anything out just going and then February 3rd, of 2017, uh, we give my wife gives birth to our third child, and he's a healthy baby. We're in and out of the hospital in 24 hours. And at that moment, I was sitting there holding him, and I was looking at him, and I thought, I'm not worthy of any of this, any of these blessings. I got three beautiful children, all healthy, a beautiful wife, and I've been horrible, right? You know, I've been a sinner my whole life. I had no repentance in my heart and I didn't feel worthy, but right then I decided I'm going to give my life to Christ, and I'm going to make sure that I redeem the time, right? I want to be better than I was, and not me. I want Christ in me to be something I'm not. So um, a few weeks later, I decided I'm going to start dedicating my mornings to Christ. I'm going to wake up before, you know, an hour before I have to wake up, typically, I'm going to start trying to do these things to catch up with these people that are so joyous and and understand God's Word, and I wanted to to get into it and really start to pick it apart. So I, I did. And on day one, I did one of these. Uh, it was April 14th, I did one of these things like this. And I, I pointed and I looked down. Well, it happened to be Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. And it says, Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. <clears throat> Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless and plead for the widow. It's pretty powerful stuff for day one, just from flipping. I thought, wow, man, if I just, this is like a checklist. It's something I could try to start doing. So, but that was cool. I didn't think a whole lot of it. And then boom, day two. Again, doing the flip thing. Uh, Matthew five forty four. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Didn't know what to think of that. (laughs) Now it's very important in my life. Um, But day three, for some reason, got ripped out, so it must not have been very important. I got kids, so I'm sure they did it. But day four, we had Psalms 58, and um, reading it, and this was the first day I ever sat down and decided to listen to a study on it, and I listened to Pastor Mike Harrison, and it was just a random, again, Psalms 58. Uh, And then I started to understand, based off this, that, you know, I'm not necessarily a sinner because I sin, but I sin because I'm a sinner. And you guys have probably all heard that. And it started to hit me in a way that I never knew. Uh, understanding that I was born this way and that I had a sin problem. And it was, everyone does. We're, we're born this way and there's nothing we can do about it except realize it and repent. Because right here, I wrote down, it said, um, you know, to, to be right with God, to have peace with God, is what we're after. But being a sinner without repentance is war with God. And I understood that the enmity I had with Christ, I was at war with Him. Everything He wanted me to do, I was going the opposite way. Everything He asked me to do, I didn't do, right? I was literally at war with Him and I was losing. I was losing bad and everyone will. So I understood that there was something that had to change. And I understood that revival it began with me, and I had to make the, the conscious decision to, to try to seek Him and to do His will. And then, so I just continued in the Word. And Psalms 29, it helped me to praise Him in the storm. It was the understanding that when bad things happen, because they will, and because they're gonna, to find the faith and the hope to pray, or to praise Him through it. In day six, I learned about faith and understanding Hebrews 11.1, 1, that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I didn't understand what faith was. I thought, man, if you just believe in it enough. But truthfully, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's a, a peaceful thing. But through all this, through all this, God, I could feel, him. you know, he, he began to reveal himself to me in all these different ways. And he continued to start adding things to me like, empathy and love and peace and kindness and things that i've never had right and it was simply just from reading the word listening to it and praying right i started to realize that i needed to uphold my end of the bargain right so i i I got i was on fire for the lord and um you know like i said he began revealing himself to me one of the first ways he revealed himself to me is my brother calls me from from jail and he talks to me he says man you're gonna think this is crazy I was like, oh, okay, let me hear it. You know, a good jail story, right? And he's like, man, I've decided to give my life to the Lord. And I busted down crying because at the same exact time, I was giving myself up to the Lord. And we were able to communicate in a new way. We were able to discuss what we were learning through through the Word. And and every time, every time, it just strengthened my faith. Every time. And uh, And so... I don't think the Lord, like, spoke to me a whole lot or anything like that, but uh, one morning I was sitting there brushing my teeth, and I was thinking about ISIS in Syria and how they were slaughtering all these Christians, slaughtering all these women and children, and it shook me to my core. Like, I was like, man, what in the world? It, it bothered me so much that I wanted to literally leave my home and, and go fight the bad guy again, and I was like, how in the world would a God allow that? You know, so I started questioning my faith, this newfound faith, this glory in Christ. I thought, man, something's not right here. And as I'm brushing my teeth, I'll never forget it—a voice unlike the one that's usually in my head. I remember it saying Isaiah. There was a pause. Seven, seventeen. I've got all nervous, right? So I start freaking out. And I'm pulling out my phone as fast as I can. I've Got a toothbrush hanging. I look it up. Sure enough, Isaiah seven seventeen. I don't know if it's really that relevant, but boy, did it give me peace. I pulled it up and I read, The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people in your father's house, days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. In a moment, I had complete peace with something that was so troubling to me. In a moment, I was given the understanding that this world is corrupt, these things are going to happen. It's all been, you know, it, nothing's a surprise to God. I shouldn't base my faith off something like that. So it was very, very rewarding to me, you know. It helped me so many ways just with peace. Um, and then right after, so there was literally no more doubt, right? But um, I had to write this down in my little notebook. On May 9th of 2017, I was sitting there at the kitchen table like I always do. Got my little cup of coffee, and I'm listening to a study. And as the study's going, I just feel the urge to... Um, to stop and pray. So I pause it. I sit there, and I start praying, and as I'm praying, I don't even know what to say, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, man, you know, what's going on? It's got my eyes closed. Next thing I know, all I can describe it is the feeling of my mother's presence in the room, something I've never felt since I was little, and I sat there, and as I started to cry and weep, it felt like it lessened, and then it came back, and then I understood that I was being blessed right then, right? Like, and all I can do is as I became uncontrollably, you know, uncontrollably weeping and crying, I've, all I can describe it as a feeling that you get from the warmth of a hug. I felt like I was being hugged, and then the, the feeling left me. And from that point on, I had no other choice. I had to serve this God. I wanted that. I wanted experiences like that. I wanted to be more than what I was. And it, man, it was on. So what other choice did I have than to serve our God? In in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it's, I mean, uh, probably one of my favorites, and I wasn't even going to put it in here, but it talks uh, so much about the transforming of a life, right? And it says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is in your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Man, that that's what started to happen. My eyes were open. The eyes of my heart were open. I was able to see things clearly. I was given peace with things that, that I had none with. Um, so it seemed like, as I started listening to these teachings on spiritual gifts and in Corinthians one uh, or Second Corinthians, whatever it is, First Corinthians, I started to understand that there was these spiritual gifts that God, by, by the Spirit, grants you. And um, little did I know, He was He had forged me in my life of high, with fire. He had forged me and made me stronger, made me. Uh, perfect for what he had in store for me so i constantly was praying uh, you know lord show me my spiritual gifts give me the opportunity to use them uh hey you know let me do your will whatever your will is just let me do it give it to me show it to me and instantly it's like everything started opening up that baseball team that i got to coach i was able to mentor and lead these kids and share christ with them and pray with them and be an influence to them and hopefully something that they'll be able to remember for a long time and uh it's funny because God already had things established for me and already had things in line before I ever accepted him. And it was amazing. And I kept asking for more. God, give me more ways to serve. I need more ways to serve. So to make, you know, be real quick here. You know, God had given me a plan and a purpose and a position in the lives of the youth in our area. And in the last two years, I've had the opportunity to coach over 70 kids in the three sports I coach. And I have the opportunity to build relationships with not only them, but their families. I get to use my passion, which was a gift from God, was sports, and now I get to use it to influence others, and to do it in a way that only gives the glory to God, and to hopefully understand that, you know, I might not make a whole lot of, you know, major league players. That's probably not going to happen, but I guarantee you one day, every one of those kids, they're going to stand before God, and they're going to have to take account, and every one of those kids are going to one day be a father they we're going to one day be a husband, and I want them to be the best husband and father they can be, and that's my goal, and that's what God put on my heart, and that's what he said. Look, man, this is what you're here for. This is why you went through all this struggle, so now I get to coach these kids in a, in a setting, and I'm very blessed uh, to be able to do it, but it's given me so much peace, man. I got a purpose now, and to know God's will and to be able to do it is something that only can be described as perfect peace, Do I still struggle? Oh, yeah. It's hard for me to wake up in the morning without sinning, right? I mean, it's just natural, but do I repent? Oh, yeah, you better. (laughs) So, I learned that no one's perfect. We're all failures in the eyes of the Lord, essentially, but by the blood of Christ, and by the, we're undeserving of this grace that we now live in, right? Our Lord and Savior gave his life for us, and I have no other choice but to serve Him. I have no other choice but to stand up here and do something I hate, like public speaking. I have no other choice but to to follow His will and continue in it for as long as He allows and just to be thankful. I'm so thankful. I never knew what being thankful was because I never had much to be thankful for, but now I can look back. I can be thankful for my past. I can be thankful for even the worst of it. I can be thankful for the best of it. And man, I can just be grateful that this Lord has... This God has rich in mercy and grace, and he's able to use me in ways that I didn't think were possible. So I'm so thankful for you guys for letting me talk. Um, I know it's a whole bunch of stuff, but it truly means the world to me, and thank you guys for letting me tell my story. Thank you.